Turn your Bible, please, to John, the third chapter. John chapter 3. May we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Calvary indeed covers it all. And God leads his dear children along, those who have been touched by him. We thank you for the wonderful grace of Jesus that dynamically changes our lives. We pray that the Holy Spirit will move among us today. We need your power. We need your love. You need your understanding. And as the scripture is presented, may the Spirit of God take it and may it find lodging in the hearts of all within our voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ponce de Leon was one of the great Spanish explorers of all time. He came on the second journey with Columbus in 1493. He became governor of Puerto Rico, and he heard about the story that had been spreading around in Europe and in the old country since the 12th century and among the Indians, that there was a fountain of youth somewhere in a distant island. When he got to Puerto Rico, the Indians there told him that that place was called Bimini, and it was north of Puerto Rico. And so he set sail in 1513 to find the Fountain of Youth. He sailed and sailed, and he found what he thought was an island. And as he came up the coast of that island, he took the ship to a little bit north of what we call St. Augustine, Florida, and he searched and searched and searched, but he could not find the fountain of youth. They said, if you find the fountain of youth, your wrinkles will all disappear. Your silver hair will all turn as black as a raven wing, and you'll be in age the prime of your youth, and you'll never die. So he thought it was worthwhile trying to find it. However, in trying to find the fountain of youth, the hostility of the Indians got their uh, arrows in him, and he died in 1521 before he could find that fountain of youth. Now there is a fountain of youth. And in John chapter 3, John records the words of Jesus concerning this, in these words, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man could do the miracles thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, do I have to become a little baby and be born from a mother's womb all over again? And Jesus' reply was, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, you hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, How can these things be? And Jesus said, Are you a ruler in Israel, and you do not know these things? I want you to notice, first of all, the message of the new birth. 
Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now this was in reply of Nicodemus saying to Jesus, we know you're a good teacher, come from God. Nobody, nobody could do what you're doing except God be with him. Now he missed the point. He should have said, we know you're a God come to teach us. He said, you are a teacher come from God. Keep in mind who Nicodemus was. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a ruler of the Jews. He kept perfectly the law that was inscribed by the scribes. They built fences around the law so nobody would offend any part of the law. And the Pharisees saw that everybody kept those fences around the law. And Nicodemus was doing this. But Nicodemus realized there was something about this prophet from Nazareth, a homeless man that was teaching and preaching and feeding 5,000 and feeding 4,000 and causing blind people to see again, interrupting funeral processions and raising dead people to life. There was something there that Nicodemus didn't have. And the Pharisees knew nothing about. And Nicodemus wanted it. And so he came to Jesus by night. We ought not to get mad at him for coming at night. We ought to be thankful he came at all. The Pharisees didn't like Jesus at all. The Sanhedrin later condemned him to death. Nicodemus was one of that group. But he realized there was something in the ministry of Jesus that he needed. He didn't know exactly what it was, but he came for an appointment. So I want you to see, secondly, not only the message, but the meaning of this new birth. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The term, term born again could mean born from above. It could mean born all over again, starting life all over again, or it could be turning over a new leaf. But what Jesus was saying was deeper than all of that. He said, you have to start life over again. It, Nicodemus, it's not enough to be a Pharisee. It's not enough to keep all these works and all these laws and all these good things. It's not enough to be a philanthropist. It's not enough to be a good, good a, a teacher. You must be born again. Now, why did Jesus say you have to be born again? Because sin is universal. There's not one person within the sound of my voice today who is not a sinner. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. In Ecclesiastes 7.20, there's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord had to lay on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The Bible has much to say concerning sin. When we think of sin, Dr. R.G. Lee used to speak of it like this. Society calls sin indiscretion. God calls it iniquity. Scholars call it ignorance. God calls it ignoble. Evolutionists call it the trait of the beast. God calls it the root of bitterness. Christian science calls it absence of God. God calls it depravity of man. The fleshly man excuses it as an amiable weakness. God calls it damnable wickedness. The new theology calls it merely selfishness. God calls it willful rebellion. Sin is missing the mark, Romans 3.23. In 1 John 3, 4, sin is transgression of the law. Sin is bending that which is right. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is a debt. Sin is disobedience. And all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. Sin is a terrible thing. Well, what does it mean to be born again? What do you have to do with your sins? Nicodemus, you have to take them to Jesus and change foundations. Here's the foundation you've been born on and you've lived up till now. But you have to change foundations to a new base. The new base is heavenly. The old base is earthly. The new base is on Jesus. The old base is on self. So you have to be changed. There has to be a change. What is the new birth all about? Number one, it's a definite experience. Now the lead up may be long, but the new birth is a definite experience that happens just like that. Someone said to Dr. Summerfield, where were you born? He said, I was born in Dublin and London. Someone said, D.L. Moody, tell us about your life. He said, I was born of the flesh in 1837 in Northfield, Massachusetts. I was born of the Spirit in 1854. I don't know when the flesh will die, but the Spirit will never die. The new birth is a spiritual experience. It starts on the inside and works its way out. Reformation starts on the outside and sometimes works its way in, but does not always. We can be a fake on the outside. We can obey certain rules. We can do certain things. We can pretend to be something. That is not salvation. That is not the new birth. The new birth starts on the inside. And sometimes it has a hard time working itself out. I've known of people who were saved when they were drinking. Now many people when they're drinking don't know what they're doing. And when I witness to somebody who's drinking, I usually try to go back when they're sober and see if they meant what they said. But I've known some people who had a hard time giving up drink. You say, well, surely they're not saved if they keep on drinking. What sin sends you to hell? It's the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ, God's only remedy for sin. Drinking doesn't send you to hell. It may make you smell like you've been in hell. It may make others go to hell, but drinking doesn't send you to hell. Immorality. Immorality is dastardly wicked. God hates it. But immorality doesn't send you to hell. This scripture says, he that believeth not is condemned already because he got drunk? No. Because he was immoral? No, because he wasn't perfect? No. But because he did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the sin that sends you to hell. The new birth starts on the inside. It works its way out. I've known of a few people in the ministry of this church who had a problem with drinking. I prayed with them. I gave them the word of God. I sat with them, tried to sober them up, sent them down to get some training to help at Western State and so on. One man in particular 
had a terrible tough time. But finally he overcame it. And he said, you know, I've been saved all along, but I was in bondage under this awful thing. It had wrapped itself around my throat like icicles and was taking me down in bondage. But he said, Jesus has broken that. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. And the last few years of his life, he was sober. He helped me in many, many things in the work. The new birth starts on the inside. That's the reason we need not get discouraged or think we're lost after we're saved because we have some sin problem. Now, a lot of people don't like that. They think the minute you get saved, you're perfect. I've known some adults whose little children got saved. And they said, well, they're not really saved. Look, they still disobey me. They still do this. They still do that. They still do the other. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But what? The rod of correction will do what? Drive it far. That's the parent's responsibility. God didn't say when you get saved, you're going to be perfect. But he said, you'll have a new heart. You'll have a new dictation on the inside. Something will be changed on the inside. Now, the new birth also is a lasting experience. You think of a little, little caterpillar. That caterpillar, most people don't like caterpillars. Guys like to throw them on girls. I don't know why they like to do it. Put them down their back and all that kind of thing. Don't try it, guys. But you watch that caterpillar. After a while, it closes itself all up. And there's a little cocoon. And that cocoon lasts for a while. Then after a while, that cocoon bursts open. Out comes what? A beautiful butterfly. What does that butterfly have to do to become a caterpillar again? It can never go back. Never. Nor can one who has been born of the Spirit of God go back and become a child of the devil again. He is saved and saved forever because of the miracle of the new birth. That's the reason Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus didn't understand this. He said, how can these things be? I don't understand it. Now, Jesus said, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. The water is the water birth, the natural birth. Some people think that the water birth is the word of God. I have no argument with them because sometimes in the Bible, the water is used as a symbol of the word of God. But in its context, in its context, go back to the context. Jesus is talking about two births. He said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, you mean I have to become a little baby and be born from a mother's womb again? Jesus said, no, you have to be born that way. That's the water birth, but you have to be born of the spirit. You cannot get to heaven without being born of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Well, there's somewhat of a mystery to that. And I want to show you an illustration of that mystery. Some sheet. But I want to tell you about this mystery. 
This was given to me the other day by Jerry Brooks. And I want to show it to you. You won't like it. It's not very pretty. I can get this mystery off of it. You see, this is like the new birth. Some people don't understand it. They never do get it. They can't understand it. It's hard to understand. But I want to show you. It's so simple when you do understand it. See how wicked that looks? That's terrible. Jesus used this as an illustration of what it means to be born again. He said, Nicodemus, do you remember in the Old Testament, the Jews sinned against God? And God allowed a poisonous plague of snakes to come on the Jews and they were biting the Jews and many of them were dying from the snake bites. And the Jews came to Moses and Moses do something, pray for us. And Moses prayed and God said, Moses, you make a brass image of this serpent, put it up on a post way up in the wilderness, lift it up, and you tell the Jews when you're bitten by a snake, if you'll look up at that brass image of a snake and believe God's promise that if you look, you'll not die, you won't die. Some of them said, well, I think I'll go down here to the river and baptize my snake bite. They died. Some of them said, well, I'm gonna rub herbs on my snake bite. And they died. Some of them said, well, I just don't feel like looking today. So the ugly, I don't wanna look. And they died. Some of them said, well, that's too simple. There must be more to it than that. And they died. But some of them said, wait a minute. I believe God. God said if I would look and believe his promise, I would not die. And ladies and gentlemen, they looked and they were healed. And Moses, God said, uh, 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 Jesus said, just like Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on an old rugged cross, and the sin of the world would be on him. And whoever would look to him and believe would not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, young lady, watch me, please. Yeah, you, look up here. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men, all men unto me. But you have to look. You see, if you look at your neighbor, that won't help. If you look around the room, that won't help. If you keep on talking, that won't help. But if you look to Jesus, just look and believe him with all your heart. And invite him to come into your heart and change you. He'll do it. He'll do it today. He'll change anybody in this room and anybody within the sound of my voice who will open his heart to Christ. For Christ receiveth sinful men, even me with all my sin. The miracle of the new birth, it's so simple. Charles Spurgeon was a young 14-year-old boy under conviction, had a big snowstorm. He went to try to find a church where he could hear about God. The only church that was open was a little primitive Methodist church. He went in. The preacher didn't get there. It was an old man who stood up and said, look, 
Look unto me all the ends of the earth. Look and be saved. Look, young man. And Charles Spurgeon said, I looked. And Jesus came into my heart Amen. and changed me. He'll do the same thing for you if you'll look to him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus is the answer to every need. He's the answer to every heart cry. He's the answer to every sinner. He's the answer looking for a problem, looking for a question. We pray that somebody within the sound of our voice today would open his heart to Jesus and receive Christ as Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Danny, would you come and help me with this? There's a song we're going to sing this morning. And listen to it carefully. As we, what is the name of the number? 154, Jesus is calling. 154, Jesus is tenderly calling thee home. Now listen, Jesus is calling you today, but you have to respond. Only those who come can get saved. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Only those who come are chosen. Now listen to me carefully. Don't look away. Look at me. All right. Jesus wants you. He wants to come and live inside of you, but you have to come to him. Nobody automatically gets saved. You're not saved because you're born in a good family or because you go to church or you do certain good things. You're saved only if you'll receive Christ as your Savior. If you'll come today, we'd like to show you from the Bible how to be saved. While we sing, Jesus is calling, will you come?